morning. And uh, my name is Terry Winch. This is my wife, Trish. And this is one of those moments that old people like myself pray toward and about um, a long time ago. Longer, it feels longer by looking at you than I actually would have let myself remember. Uh, Trish and I met in a similar situation at about your age. I, I don't think we could have been this young, but I, I'm told, and that's, uh, we have pictures to prove it, I guess. Anyway, there's, uh, it's really a treat to be here. We've, uh, we've spent the last almost 14 years married and uh, have a little family. Spent a lot of that time as a part of Grace Community Church. And uh, I say that to preface the, the fact that I'm going to make a point, and it happens to come in three parts, and I don't mean that to be uh, a real homiletic type of thing, but it just happened to work out that way in my life. And that is, as regards prayer, um, I think all of us grow up with a feeling like it's something that we can just take care of during the day, and somehow that seals the day and makes it all right, and we can go on our way. And I think that was sort of stage one, and it was a starting place. And as I got to know the Lord better and love Him more, it came to a place where I, I thought, wait a minute, it says pray without ceasing. Now, how can I do that? And I think we probably all had teaching on, on it's just a matter of every minute of the day inclining toward God with our hearts. And, and I thought that's the secret. All this special prayer time stuff really doesn't apply because what I'm supposed to do is, is just go on praying pretty much without ceasing from the time that I get up all day long, just be in my, have my mind inclined toward God. And I thought that was real progress. And I really think that it is. But without a third portion, uh, that began to wax a little bit cold in that that third portion is I needed to get back to the time that specifically was set apart to just praise and worship and enjoy God in that way. And then getting up from that position from that posture from that part of my day that was strictly concentrating on him uh, I then didn't press a stop button and go on and sort of remember him later in the day but I then applied principle number two that I thought was adequate enough for a while and the combination of those two uh, has made a really significant difference and continues to do so when I am diligent enough to apply it uh, may I bring myself back down to earth by saying that but it's just um, there's a tune that uh, Trish is going to sing in a minute has very much to do with with that thought and I, I guess if, if we think of our day having an agenda that, that there's a sense of wanting to wanting to be sure to diligently plug God in at the beginning and then just just let it roll. But uh, and maybe we're checking our clocks a little bit and really feeling like we're probably five minutes better prayers than we were the week before or something. And all those all those things are just false systems. Uh, when really when we think about the guy who created the universe, the guy who loves us enough to have done all that we know that he's done for us and continues to do, um, if we didn't have access to him, that would probably be the one thing we wanted most in our life would be. I know there's this wonderful, loving God and creator, but I don't quite have access to him. And it's when you think about prayer as not something that you repeat or just get out of the way, but as time that we are privileged to spend with our Father, an absolute 
time as real as talking to the friend sitting next to you here. Um, that whole idea, uh, again, let, I should let the song say most of it, but I just want to draw your attention to it, that the idea of this tune is, is I'm going to wait right here until he's finished instead of uh, me uh, cordially letting him have a part of my day. And as that affects uh, all that we do, I, I know there's going to be missions emphasis and evangelism emphasis uh, ongoing here, but in particular this week. And those are the kind of things you feel like maybe you need to stockpile prayer for. Uh, and uh, stockpiling just doesn't really work. It's uh, Each day demands the same of us. And we might have greater catastrophes at one or greater challenges, but we don't know what the next minute holds. And our preparation and our ongoing life in the Spirit is really so wrapped up in that very one thing. It's beyond study, which is what he tells us to do. It's beyond just obedience, which he also tells us to do. But it's, it's, a, whole, it's a whole way of living and breathing. And, uh, and I guess maybe I'm trying to want to have you listen especially closely to these words because uh, they really speak our heart on this matter.
forgot to mention. Um, thank you, Fish. I forgot to mention um, the first two tunes, depending on how old you might be. The first one was called uh, Sweet Hour of Prayer. The second one was called Quiet Place. This one talking about what we do in that quiet place. I know in just a minute we're going to be taking communion together. And just in the time leading up to that and preparing your hearts for that, um, there's a song, lyrics of which deal very much with the idea of communion, the idea of being together, learning together. It's called Let Us Break Bread Together.
Want to say amen to that? That's beautiful. Thank you. I really appreciate so much Terry and Trish and their ministry. And I said to Russ, there's a real gentleness of spirit that comes through even what he plays. And uh, it's been a pleasure to have a ministry in your life and see you grow through the years. Thank you for sharing with us today. As we come to the Lord's table this morning, and uh, thankfully so, at Grace Church we had time in the Lord's table yesterday, and the only thing better than having it once is having it twice, and uh, we rejoice in the privilege. I want to remind my own heart of some things, and uh, you as well. I grew up in a Christian family. I grew up in the church. Communion was always a part of my life from the time of my earliest childhood. In fact, I remember the first time my mother said to me as a child that I was going to be able to have the Lord's Supper. My response was, I hope they don't have peas. <laughs> From the very earliest age, I had no idea what was the Lord's Supper. And of course, I was not really too sure of how significant it was until the years went by, and I think there were many, many times when I participated in the Lord's Supper with little different attitude than I had when I first asked if they were going to have peas. It was just mechanical. But through the years of spiritual growth and development by the grace of God, I've come to appreciate this as a high point of worship in my own heart. And I never come to the Lord's table without going through a sort of cycle of self-examination. And the thing that overwhelms me each time, and uh, I don't ever see that becoming anything less than overwhelming, is the fact that I, an unworthy sinner have been given the gift of salvation through the death of Christ, which is symbolized in these elements. And so focusing on these elements, I am drawn again then to think about Christ dying for me. And that's a marvelous thing that we must never lose sight of, our own sinfulness, our own unworthiness, and the wonderful grace of God providing Christ. And so the Lord's table, because of its nature, as the sinner comes before the gracious God, is a reminder to me of the kind of commitment that God would have from my heart. Because how can I accept what Christ has done for me when I'm so unworthy and then not give him back my whole life? And so this is a time for reaffirmation of my own commitment. Jesus put it simply when he said, How can you say, Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say? How can you hold out such a big hand to receive my grace and the gift of salvation and not give me back your life in return? That kind of an exchange, in a sense, mocks the cross. And so it's a time of examination. And there are several things that I think about, and I just pass them on to you. When I come to the Lord's table, I want to recommit my heart to love the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a renewal of my commitment to love the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to go back in my thinking to um, Jesus' confrontation of Peter when he was caught in disobedience and Jesus said to him three times, Do you love me? Do you remember that, John 21? Do you love me? And Peter kept affirming, Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you on three times. And um, the Lord said, Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. But Peter's real court of appeal was the Lord's omniscience. He said to him, you know everything, you know I love you. And Peter had to appeal to omniscience because basically his life didn't give evidence. 
It wasn't obvious from the way he lived that he really loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he appealed to omniscience and said, You know my heart in spite of what you see on the outside, you know I love you. And I ask myself whenever I come to the Lord's table, do I really love the Lord Jesus Christ? That translates for me into the statement, I guess, of John in his epistle, if you love the Lord, you'll do the things he says. And so it's a time for me to re-examine my commitment to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, I always kind of work through in my own heart a, a new commitment to love my fellow Christians. Because we're all here on common ground, aren't we? We're all sinners in need of the Savior. We all come here, as it were, stripped naked. The only thing we have to commend ourselves is the grace of God. We have nothing in ourselves. And it should be a mark of believers that they have love for one another. And so if there's something in my heart against someone or something in my heart that I'm holding back from someone, this is the time when I examine my own heart and offer to the Lord a renewed commitment to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. It seems to me that if I'm not loving to them, then I must be feeling that there's something better about me there's something worthy about me that they're not deserving of. And that's a misjudgment because there's nothing in me that's worthy of anything. But God's chastening. And so I renew the commitment of my own heart to love my fellow sinners who have been saved by God's grace, who are no more and no less than I am. And all of us together, desperately in need of God's mercy. Thirdly, when I come to the Lord's table, it is a commitment to me again in my heart to holiness it's a time for me to examine sin in my life to run a little inventory and I, there's a common track that inventory takes believe me I have found that whatever sins I am tempted to sin are the same sins year after year after year in my life and so the track for me the path for me the path of confession is a very familiar path I talk to the Lord about my relationship to my wife and have I been as loving and faithful and honest and sensitive and caring and protective and all of those things that she would have me to be as I ought to have been and there are times when I have to confess that I have not. I examine my own thought life. I examine the things I have said to people that have been unkind or ungracious or insensitive. I examine the indifference in my heart. I examine perhaps the time when I have not given to the Lord in prayer, that time that Trish was singing about that I ought to have given until he was through saying what he wanted to say to my heart. I mean, the familiar path of confession is for me a recommitment to holiness. And then another thing that comes to mind as I come to the Lord's table is a recommitment to prayer. Very often at Grace Church, when I'm leading the people in prayer and standing up in the pulpit and all the folks are praying, I, I'm praying in my own heart as well. I don't really like to preach uh, at a communion service because I don't like to be in the sermon mode. I like to be in the mode of being where the people are and just being free to let the Spirit of God examine my own heart. If I have the pressure to preach a sermon, sometimes my thoughts are on that rather than on the communion. And so I... I try to be open to the Lord, and one of the things that happens to me as I stand there and I'm praying in my own heart is a renewed commitment to the time I need to spend in the presence of the Lord. For me, life is very busy, 
and life is very demanding. And many, many years ago, I ceased controlling my own time, and I have become almost totally a responder to the pressures that are put upon me. And without the control of my time, prayer sometimes gets pushed back. And so I commit myself again to the wonderful meditation and the time before the Lord that I so desperately need. Another commitment that comes to my mind as I come to the Lord's table is a commitment to spiritual growth. As I think in my own heart about my love for Christ and the lack of, that I see in my own life of loving Him, as I think about the lack in obedience that's obvious in my life from place to place, as I think of not loving people as I ought to, of confessing my sin, of, of all of those things, maybe the lack of holiness in an area of my life, there's a new commitment in my heart to spiritual growth, and I'll tell you why. I don't want to always be the same place. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to always go back to the Lord, you know, month after month, week after week, and be in the same place I was last time. I want to be able in those times when I'm drawn into the presence of the Lord to say, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not where I was last time. But there's been progress in my life. and So the Lord's table is a place of commitment to spiritual growth, to be more what God wants me to be. And then, too, also... When I come to the Lord's table, I think about a new commitment to reach people without Christ. Here I am enjoying this wonderful celebration. Here I am singing songs of praise. Here I am experiencing the forgiveness of God, resting in His gracious gift of Christ. And I'm reminded of a world of people outside that little closed environment like we're in today who have no idea of what God has for them. I'm so excited about you people being out on the front lines this week. I'm thankful that you have the courage of conviction to do that. I'm thankful that it's not an assignment. It's something that takes character and spiritual commitment. And I'm going to be praying for you as you involve yourself in that. I'm thankful that some of you are going to have the joy of leading someone to Jesus Christ. Some of you are going to have the joy of praying and someone's going to be led to Christ. I'm thankful that some of you are going to experience service to Christ in new dimensions and new ways and get a taste of what it is to take the message of Christ to someone who doesn't know. As we come to the Lord's table together, maybe these are things that can stimulate some fresh commitments in your heart, too. That's between you and the Lord. But don't let this time escape that. Whatever you need to do in terms of recommitting your heart to Christ today, do that. Let's bow together in prayer. And I want you to pray in your own heart. Just talk to the Lord. And maybe some of the things that I've mentioned that are in my own heart, great concerns to me, might be transferred to you as well. Maybe this is a time for a new commitment to love the Lord Jesus, to love each other, a new commitment to purity of life, to prayer, to spiritual growth to communicating with those that don't know the Lord. You talk to the Lord in your own heart about those things that are prompted by the Spirit. Father, we do pray that each of us who comes to this moment 
might have done that examination which can make us worthy to partake. We know that the Word of God says that anyone who takes the bread and the cup unworthily, without thought, without understanding of what it means, without confessing and turning from sin, will bring upon himself or herself your chastening hand. So, Lord, we would confess our sins. We would acknowledge that there have been times when we have not loved the Lord Jesus Christ as we ought to have loved. We have not loved each other. We have not been pure in our lives. We have not prayed and sought that communion with you that we should have. We recognize that we have not grown as we should, progressing toward Christ's likeness. Perhaps we have been lacking boldness in proclaiming the message. And, Lord, we confess all those things. And we ask that you would cleanse us right now that we might partake in a way that will honor you. For Christ's sake, amen. Before we pass the elements, let's sing together this chorus and kind of focus our eyes on the Lord. they're doing that, I'd like us to sing another song, a song of worship and praise. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Let this be from your heart as you share it.
says that the significance of the bread is that it represents the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I always think about the writer of Hebrews who, quoting from the Psalms, says, A body thou hast prepared me. And that in reference to the fact that all the blood of bulls and goats and all the animal sacrifices of all of history could never atone for sin, all those sacrifices were simply symbols. They were pictures of the one full final sacrifice for sin that would come in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the one offering by whom we are perfected forever. And so those were less than able to take away sin. But God prepared a body, a body for sacrifice for the Lord Jesus Christ. The intent of God was that he would come in human flesh and be one of us and offer himself as the sacrifice, the substitution for our sins on the cross. And we know that wonderful story, that ever fresh and exhilarating and thrilling story of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The thing to keep in mind is the condescension involved, that God, infinite, holy God, eternal, majestic God, condescended into this world, took upon himself the form of a man, bore our sins, died for us on the cross. There had to be a death. In order to be a perfect substitute, there had to be a death of a man. So Christ became that man who died on our behalf. Jesus took the bread and made the bread the emblem of his body given for us. It's of the earth, fragile, it even perishes. And so our Lord was of the earth, and so did he even die. The bread reminds us of that. Jesus, when he had taken the bread and broken it, said this, is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let's share together. Father, we thank you. Even as we taste the bread, we are reminded that we have partaken of the flesh of Christ by faith. His death for our death. His life for our life. How grateful we are. May that gratitude be demonstrated in the life we live. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's sing again as the men pass the cup. He is Lord, another testimony of our faith in the Savior.
of the Passover. There were several cups in the Passover, and he took the final cup of the Passover service and transformed it into a new meaning. The old uh, symbol of redemption was the Passover, for it symbolized God's deliverance of Israel out of the land of Egypt, great redeeming work, emblematic of his saving work. But up until the time of the Lord's death, whenever Israel wanted to celebrate the redeeming power of God, they celebrated the Passover because of his great redemption from Egypt. But from now on, the Lord Jesus said, when you celebrate redemption, you'll not celebrate the Passover in Egypt, you will celebrate the death of Christ. That is God's greatest redeeming work. And so the cup of the Passover then was transformed into the cup of remembrance. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant the New Testament which is in my blood. You might be careful to note that the blood of Jesus Christ is emblematic of two things. When he shed his blood, thank you, Tom, that is emblematic of death. The pouring out of his blood is emblematic of death. It, it is not just that he shed his blood that saves us. He shed his blood in death. It was the death of Christ that caused our salvation, along with his resurrection. It was required that he die. And since, as the Old Testament said, the life of the flesh is in the blood, the pouring out of the blood was emblematic in a demonstrative way of that death. He died for us. It would not have been enough if he had just bled. The efficacy was not in the blood itself. It was in the death of Christ. But also, it is important to note that in his dying, his blood was poured out, and that marked his death as sacrificial. When an animal was taken into the temple to be sacrificed, that animal could have been killed with a blow to the head. It could have been pierced. It could have been many different forms that brought about the death. But it was a blood-letting form that brought about that death, so that sacrifice was symbolized by the pouring out of blood. When Jesus died on the cross, he died not only a true death, 
but he died a sacrificial death in that his blood gushed out of his body at the five open wounds that God had predetermined he should bear. And so he dies a true death in behalf of sin and a sacrificial death on our behalf as the fitting sacrifice and offering for our sin. And as you see the fruit of the vine in the cup, let it be a reminder of you, uh, to you of that blood shed on your behalf. And so this is the New Testament in my blood, Jesus said, as oft as you do this, you show forth my death until I come. Let's do it together. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful time we've shared, for the, the music and the songs we've sung and the heart examination. Lord, I pray that not one young person will walk out of this chapel time this morning still holding on to sin, still holding on to rebellion, still holding on to reluctance to be what you want them to be, still not loving you with a full heart. I pray that no one will leave this place today who holds anything against a Christian brother or sister, who, who hasn't yet come to grips with you in their prayer life, who doesn't have a heart desire to grow. I just would pray, Lord, that this might not be just an hour of time, but that it might be a moment of change that shall have fruit to come. And we ask this because we know this is what Christ would desire. Amen. I'd like us to sing one more song that uh, might kind of wrap up our time together. Thou art worthy. And why don't we stand and sing this song together and let it be our testimony to the Lord. couple of things to mention to you as you go. I'm going to be praying for you this week. I know it's a challenging week. I don't want you to think of this as a, as a week of uh, sort of slacking off. We don't have class so much this week, and maybe this is kind of a week to rest from your normal labor. But I want you to see this the way I think the Lord trained his disciples. They were in a training mode. He taught them, he taught them, he taught them, he taught them. And then he let them go. And he sent them out on a brief mission. 
And that was all the very, very essential element of their training. And after that very brief mission, they came back and they had all kinds of questions because they had run into all kinds of things they would not have anticipated. And then their training even intensified. So this is a very vital thing as you go out this week to be involved in ministry. This isn't a break from your training. This is maybe the most important part of it. As you go out and take what you've learned and begin to apply it and come back with a myriad of questions so that your training can even be escalated to a greater extent. I want you to see it as that kind of opportunity. I want you also to see it as a taste of what you're going to spend your whole life doing. Because when this hothouse environment ends and you go out, your effectiveness for the Lord is going to be dependent on your commitment. And we want you to see what commitment is demanded in this kind of situation, so we're praying that you'll have a great time. And use it for God's glory. Make it count. Put everything in your heart into this. In regard to that, one further announcement is that those of you who are going on these various mission enterprises this week need to meet right now, uh, and I'm going to tell you where, and you can go directly to those rooms. Those of you in Campus Conquest, stay right here. Those of you in the Eye Care Ministry, go to the Junior High Room, which is next door, one way or another, right over there. And the High School Room, Impact 86, next door also, and upstairs. All right, let's have prayer. Father, we thank you for this wonderful day. We bless your name. We praise you. And we ask that ere this week comes to pass and fades into history, there will be great things accomplished for your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Just